Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Allam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. And we are still on the subject of the uh, grace of God uh, and the faith of man, or God's grace and man's faith. So yesterday we talked about, uh, you know, we are talking about the heroes of faith. And yesterday we ended by talking about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. But anyway, today, uh, let's read from uh, Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. Now, uh, yesterday I ended by talking about Abraham, and now we are talking about Abraham's wife, Sarah. It says, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So here talks about the faith of Sarah uh, because you see the Bible tells us that Sarah was past childbearing age and not, I mean, not only past childbearing age, but she was very elderly. She was a very old lady uh, who couldn't have children. Uh, she had infertility when she was young, couldn't have children when she was young. And now she was very, very old. And so <coughs> it says that by faith, she received strength to conceive a child. She received strength, supernatural, supernatural ability to conceive at a very advanced age. And then it says she was delivered of, of, you know, of a child when she was past age. So, I mean, she was, they say that she was about 80 or 90 years old and, and she was way past her childbearing age, but she, she delivered a child. And then it tells us why because she judged him faithful who had promised. So faith is to know God and to know him as ever faithful to his word and to his promise. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child under, I mean, the most impossible circumstances. It was a physical impossibility. It was not just a miracle. I say it was like more than a miracle, if you understand what I mean. Because what happened was that God spoke to them at their old age. And uh, Abraham tried to take a, a shortcut, Abraham and Sarah. It's interesting how Sarah took her, her uh, maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to Abraham to actually, actually say that that Hagar was Abraham's wife because Sarah told Abraham to marry him. Some people think that, well, you know, Hagar was like a, a fling he had. No, Sarah gave Hagar her own maid to Abraham uh, as a wife so that uh, she could conceive and she did con uh, conceive and that was Ishmael. But, uh, but no, God wanted to give Sarah a child because that was the child of promise. I mean, Ishmael was not the child of promise. He was Abraham's son and 
God had wonderful promises for him, but he was not the child of promise. The child of promise was, uh, was uh, Isaac and Isaac came from Sarah's womb. So God wanted to do, do this whole thing, not through the shortcut that Abraham and Sarah took through Hagar, but he wanted to do it total, totally supernaturally. So, but it happened only because Sarah, she judged him faithful who had promised. So Sarah knew that God had promised. He had spoken his word and he had promised them a child. And Sarah, uh, you see, when Sarah looked at the promise, you see, here's the thing. When you look at the promise, uh, when God makes an, uh, a promise that is nat in the natural impossible, and you stand there looking at the promise, uh, you know, your mind just can't keep up with it. Because uh, when it comes to supernatural things, the moment you're outside the natural, outside the normal, it's very hard for the mind to, uh, you know, to wrap your mind around it and to believe it in that way. You just cannot because the human mind isn't capable of that. The human mind can only deal with natural things and things that are normal. But, <coughs> but here is the thing about faith. Faith is not trying to wrap your mind around a miracle and kind of uh, work your way up mentally uh, to, to, to imagine it. And then, you know, through your imagining and visualizing, uh, you create the reality. That's not how faith works. Faith isn't to visualize the miracle with your natural mind and so that when you can finally kind of wrap your mind around it and that's faith. That's not faith. Faith doesn't look at the situation, but faith looks at the one who made the promise. Hallelujah. Because it doesn't say that she had a child because she believed the impossible. No, it says she had a child. She could conceive and bear a child because she judged him who had made the promise to be faithful. And that's the wonderful thing. If you know God, if you walk in fellowship with the Father and you are in, and, and when I say you, of course, I include me. So let me rephrase that. If you and I, we know the Father and we walk in intimacy and fellowship with the Father and with the Lord Jesus. And when, when they speak, you know, when the Lord speaks a word, so you don't look at the uh, the impossibility, the, the physical impossibility, the natural impossibility of what God says and try to visualize that as a possibility. You're not looking at your own ability to believe, but you're looking at him who made the promise because he is faithful. And that is what faith is. Faith is looking at the one who promised and to be able to say with your heart, you know what? It may be impossible in the natural, but I know the one who has spoken these words and he is faithful. So when you're facing a sickness or disease in your life and the doctors say it is impossible and, you know, and they say you're going to die. So you <coughs> look at the word, what the, <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, grab a drink and and the word of God tells you 
that Jesus bore your diseases, carried your pains, and with his stripes you were healed. You have been healed. So, in, so you don't try to believe that with your mind because your mind cannot grasp it. But what you do believe, you say, I know my Lord, I know my Redeemer, I know my Jesus, and he is the one who bore my diseases and he is the one who has said that I have been healed. And so I believe him. I know that he is faithful. So I'm trusting him because it is going to be the way he has said it. It cannot be any other way because he has spoken and he is faithful. So faith is not your ability to believe, but faith is looking at him who has promised as being faithful. Hallelujah. So that is what faith is. So we are talking about, we are talking about the different facets of faith. Now let's look at verse 13. This is, this is good. And this is uh, talking both about uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah. Uh, and this is like a, a summation. It, it, it sums up their experience. So Abraham uh, uh, was promised this land filled with milk and honey. And it says that he, he came to that land. He actually came there. And then by that time, he and Sarah had, uh, you know, had children and the children grew up. And so you had Abraham with his son, Isaac. And of course, Ishmael was there because Ishmael was born before Isaac. And then you had Jacob, you know, his grandson. And it says they all dwelt in tents. And because they looked at themselves as sojourners, as temporary travelers who were passing through in the land that God had actually promised them, they took possession of the land. It was theirs. They were there, but living there, they never built homes. They lived in tents like strangers. And it says that they looked at themselves, they sojourned, they dwelt there like temporary dwellers and it tells us why they did so because they were looking for another city whose builder and maker was God and then it says that Sarah she all she wanted was to hold this baby in her arms and she did hold that baby because in her arms because she counted him who had promised as faithful but then look at what verse 13 says this is astounding verse 13 says <coughs> These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having them seen afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is amazing. Amazing because God promised this land to Abraham and to his descendants. Okay. But when Abraham and Sarah, you know, they came there to that land. Something had happened to them during that journey, a journey of faith from when they had left their homeland and they had come to the promised land. Their hearts had changed. Their walk of faith, their journey of faith and their walk 
in God's covenant, that covenant relationship with God and their walk of faith had totally changed them so that although they were in the land, they had possession of the land and Sarah held the baby in her arms and but they still considered themselves that they had not received the promise. Why? You know why? Because during the journey of faith, their experiences of God had opened their vision to the heavenly. And this is my paraphrase. And they saw something in the heavenly that was far greater than anything that God had promised them on the earth. So that Abraham, he, his, his, the promise to him was the land. The promise to Sarah was the baby. Sarah held the baby in her arms and she looked up to the heaven and she saw another baby who would be born in Bethlehem. She saw a savior and she longed for that. And Abraham, and uh, he, you know, he, he looked at the heavens and he also saw Jesus and he, he, because, you know, the Bible tells us, Jesus said, Jesus said, to the Jews, he says, your father Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. So Abraham, he, he also saw something. He saw a heavenly city and he saw a savior. And so when, when, when they saw that in the heavenly, suddenly this paled in comparison. This meant nothing because now they wanted that. So although they had this that God had promised them, they it meant absolutely nothing to them because it says they considered themselves as not having received the promises, although they did, but they considered themselves not having received the promises because their gaze was not on this, but their gaze was on that, on that that was up there. And so he says they not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. So this is not really the earthly promise of the land or the baby, but it was the heavenly promise. It says they didn't receive the promise, but they saw it from far. You must have a heavenly gaze that sees farther beyond what is this. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you. Look, look, let, let me just say this. And that is the problem with modern day materialistic earthly preaching when people only preach about money and it's about you know, I, I, I want this and I want that and, and I'm using my faith for this and I'm using my faith for that. And if you notice, a lot of it is really about earthly things and, 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 and expensive earthly things. Like the greatest thing you can have, uh, you know, is earthly things and the more expensive, the better it is because it is symptomatic of the fact that there is no heavenly vision. There's no eternal perspective of the gospel uh, because these people will never preach about eternity. They will never preach about the streets of gold, about, about the new Jerusalem, about, uh, about the person of Jesus and, 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 and Jesus as the son of God seated at the right hand of the father, the glory, the heavenly glory of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm saying this because you see, Listen to me, we live in such a materialistic society and we are so consumed by 
what we can see uh, by material things that we can see. So those things become the object of our faith. And yes, yes, we believe in heaven. We believe in the streets of gold. We will walk with Jesus. But those things are kind of so far away. But here it says they saw them far off and were persuaded of them and embraced them to the point that they considered, they confessed. That's what they confessed. Here we teach people, confess money and money will come to you. In fact, some people go around confessing money cometh, money cometh. And here they, it's not that they were not confessing money to come to them, but they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Just think of it. That is the gospel, beloved. Look, I believe that God gives us everything we need on this earth to live decent lives and for us to help the poor to get the gospel out. I don't believe in poverty, but that perspective of, you know, things around us, that is not the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus. It is about heaven. And the Bible says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things around us that you need to fulfill the vision that God is giving you, those things, all those things shall be given to you. God is faithful to give us all things. But I want you to look at Look at verse 13 again. I cannot emphasize it enough. It says that they all died in faith, not having received the promises. Although you might say, yes, they did. Abraham got the land. He lived there, but he didn't consider himself as having received the promise. Sarah had the baby, but she didn't consider herself having, as having received the promise. But he says, but they saw the promise from far off. So actually, he's not referring to the earthly promise, but he's referring to the heavenly dimension, that new thing to which their eyes were opened during their journey of faith from Ur, where they came from. And as, as they trudged their way to the promised land in, in covenant with God, with total faith in God and trusting God as the father dealt with their hearts, their eyes were open to another and to some things, to the heavenlies. And they, it says they saw that from afar and they were persuaded of them. That means that they were totally convinced that this is for me. And then they embraced it from far. And that thing they saw in the heavenly, that vision of Jesus, that vision of heaven was so precious and powerful that they began to confess and say with their mouth, you know, this is nothing. We are just strangers and pilgrims on this earth. I, we are just passing through this earth. All this stuff is temporary and this is not what I'm living for. This is not a, what I use my faith for. This, these are not the things that I, that are worth preaching about. These are not the things that are worth living about. You don't build a doctrine of prosperity or anything that is based over the accumul accumulation of material things. So that as if that in itself is a spiritual accomplishment. No, but what you do, a man of faith, he, he looks at the heavenly and he embraces the heavenly and he confesses that he's a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth walking through this earth. Hallelujah. And then let's look at verse 16. Now I know some of you, this stuff is bothering 
some of you people and you might say, oh, how is he? He's a word of faith preacher. He's saying these things. Well, I'm saying these things. You know why? Because they're in the Bible. Okay. Anything in the Bible, that is what we have to believe that we have to preach. And what I'm saying, as I said, faith is like a diamond. There's many, many facets of the diamond, uh, of a diamond. And yes, faith is speaking and confessing the word and acknowledging that everything that Jesus says done for us is ours and everything that he has given me is mine and I will confess it. That's faith. But faith is also a pursuit. Faith is also looking at Jesus and embracing him from, from afar and uh, embracing the glories of heaven from afar and saying that this is mine because God has said this is mine. And uh, uh, you know, and then looking at this earth and looking at the the glories and the pleasures and everything that the earth offers. And you say, none of these things are worth living for because I am a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. I'm not building mansions here. I'm not accum accumulating my treasures here. I, I'll have a mansion there and I'm a accumulating my treasures there. Believe me, that is classical faith teaching, okay? So classic faith teaching is not about material things. It is not about things at all that perish, but it is about Jesus, about walking with him. And, 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 and we who are here, the only reason we are on this earth is so that we can fulfill his calling upon our lives and that so that we can drag as many people and rescue them out of the clutches of Satan, out of hell, so that as many people as possible escape hell and go to heaven, make it to heaven, beloved. That is our supreme task on this, on this earth and everything else is subservient to that. Okay, so, but let's look at verse uh, 16, talking about Abraham and Sarah and also Isaac and Jacob, you know, because they also lived in tents with Abraham. It says, but now they desire a better country. So better country, better than what? Well, better than the promised land of Israel. And you know what? Listen, listen, let me just say this. You see the Jews, they want that land. They say God promised it to us. And the Arabs, they want that land. And you know what the problem is? You know what the biggest problem is? The reason they're fighting. The reason they're fighting, that is all they can see. But what will happen one day when all these Jews, they begin to see the heavenly, they see Jesus, they see the new Jerusalem. That is when that land up there will become more important than this land. And when the Arabs see that, the same vision, that land, that heavenly city will be more important than this. And that will be the day you will see the Arabs and Jews embracing one another as brothers because they'll say, is this all we were fighting for when God has something more for us through the blood of Jesus? So that is when the Arabs and the Jews, it is not because of Moses. For the Arabs, it's not Abraham and Moses, but it is Jesus. And for these, uh, for the Jews and for the Arabs, it's not through their religion or their prophet, but it is through Jesus. And that is why I only say that is the solution to the Middle Eastern problem, that both sides receive Jesus. Then, then that vision of heaven becomes real for both of them. They see the new Jerusalem. They see Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then they look at each other and say, are we fighting over this? 
Are we really, really fighting over this? So it says, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God for as he has prepared for them a city. Now, this is why God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Do you know why God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and why God is not ashamed to be called their God? Why? <coughs> because they valued him. They valued whatever they saw in heaven <coughs> as being of greater value than that which they saw on this earth. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. So because, you know, in the Old Testament, they talk about God as being the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And it's not nothing biological or they were Jews that have nothing to do with it. But it has everything to do with is that they desired a better country. Hallelujah. They desired a heavenly country. Because they saw a glimpse of that city. They saw a glimpse of that savior and they reached out and they were persuaded of it. And they embraced that savior by faith, embraced that city. And they looked at themselves and this, what this, what was here in front of them. And they say that this is not it, but that is it. And that is the city we want. And 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 that is what we desire. And we are just strangers and pilgrims on this earth. That is why, because of that heart and attitude, God says, I am their God. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. So he says, that is why, because they seek that city, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And he has prepared for them a city. Beloved, let me say this, today's session, let me end this by saying this. You and I, we are sojourners. We are passing through this world. There's nothing in this world that is so wonderful, that is so precious compared to what God has for you and me in heaven. And that, what he has for us in heaven is far better and greater than anything on this earth because even the finest things here on this earth are temporal. They will pass away, but that is forever. And not only that, when we are there, we will be with Jesus and we will be with him forever and ever and ever. And when I think of that, I look at myself, I say, you and I, my friend, we are strangers, sojourners, just passing through we are pilgrims on this earth. And because you and I think that way, God is my God and God is your God. And he's not ashamed to be called your God and my God because he has prepared for us a city. And one day we are going to be there. Beloved, this is one aspect of faith. And I wrote this down. Faith is to embrace Jesus and to embrace and to long for the heavenly. That's a very important part of faith, is to see Jesus and embrace him and to long for the heavenly and embrace the heavenly. Hallelujah. God bless you. 
I see you tomorrow.